0: welcome back everybody to the show today is wednesday episode 120 of the below average shows mma podcast it's another wednesday which means this one is just a bit extra special dominic it's a familiar favorite of ours this or that the fourth of the edition (laughs) stumbled over my words there yes how are you feeling today my friend
1: You know, I always love the Wednesday episodes because like you said, they're a little extra special and this one is going to be much of the same. This is a series that we've done for uh, many times now. This will be number four. Very good back and forth banter. A couple good questions. We present each other some laughs, some crying, everything in between. I can't wait, my friend.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for those of you that don't uh, know what this or that is maybe you haven't listened to a previous edition highly recommend to go back and listen to the previous three oh 100 but but don't leave don't leave we'll uh we'll get you caught up to speed here uh basically it's very simple me and dom go back and forth we present the other person with two options relating Mm -hmm. to mma it could be two different opponents for a single fighter but then it can also get really crazy and wacky, which is usually with the direction I take this thing. Yes.
1: Noah has yes. really uh, went above and beyond the past couple of
0: Dominic likes to keep things grounded with, you know, more of that, that fight talk, those opponents, you know, picking between opponents yeah. and I, and I tend to to take things on my own direction. <laughs> yes. Yes. But uh, that's what we like about this concept. You can kind of do whatever you want with it. As long as we're just having fun talking MMA, um, then that's all that matters. Exactly. But uh, I think there's really nothing else to say besides just to get into it.
1: It's time for this or that part four, Noah.
0: The question <laughs> now, is,
1: who goes first?
0: I feel like I should go first. <laughs> of course, of course. Now, I, I, I told Dominic coming in here today that I, I was up late last night. I, I had a, a, a very – Oh, just, he was – Thinking hard. My brain, <laughs> my brain started working, wouldn't let me go to bed. And I came up with a very creative batch today. So I'm gonna be very curious to see how Dominic responds to the pressure.
1: And I'm nervous. I'm just gonna be honest. Again, for anyone that doesn't know, we do not discuss these prior. So this is all first time here. Let's go. So
0: I'm gonna so I'm gonna start with one that's a little lighter, and then we'll we'll get we'll we'll kick up the heat as we go. Now Dominic in the month of August, we have two very impactful middleweight five-round headliners to it's look true. forward to. And now I'm going to put you in the position where you're able to see into the future, Ooh, but only partially. It. You overhear a conversation in the future. <laughs> okay. And you hear
1: what is whoever, happening?
0: whoever decides that fight of the year uh, candidates. Okay you hear the mention of one of these two middleweight headliners, but you are not sure which one it is. Mm. Now, you're also, unbeknownst to you right now, a just hardcore gambler. Yeah. Yes. You cannot help it. I can't. Due, due to the recent legalization of, of sports gambling right. in Ohio. Yes. So – I like this near future you're painting. I'm going to be honest. So, so due to this, you decide to bet every dollar you got on one of these two bouts to be in the fight of the year discussion. Which one do you put that money on? Is it Derek Brunson versus Darren Till, or is it Jared Cannonier versus Kelvin Gastelum? Which is the better fight?
1: Jared Cannonier, Kelvin Gastelum. No, I feel confident. In myself answering that. Therefore, mm. I'm going with that one. I think it has more potential to be just an absolute back-and-forth barn burner. We've seen Gastelum already put himself in a fight of the year. Cannoneer is no stranger to standing and banging, uh, very heavy pressure from both guys. Whereas Brunson Till, Brunson's going to come out, look to grapple heavy, at least I would imagine, against a striker mm-hmm. as good as Till. And for Darren, while he is an amazing striker and I love watching him, He's very good at picking the shots, being a point striker, and can finish should the proper shot land. But I just feel that the pacing and just the stylistic clash of Cannoneer and Gastelum has the makings of a fight of the year type of fight to me.
0: I'd have yeah. to imagine you would agree. Yeah, I definitely do agree with that. If I if I had to take a guess of which one might be a better fight, um, Kelvin and Cannoneer should be just a banger of a fight. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah, two guys that are very talented, very hard-hitting, um, really willing to kind of take the fight anywhere, which is always fun. Uh, for Darren Till and Derek Brunson, you kind of know that each one of those guys has a specific route to victory, yeah. and whichever route kind of takes over is going to be probably more of a one-sided showing maybe. Mm-hmm. Not that the fight – We've seen fights like that where you have the striker versus grappler, and they end up being classics. I'm just saying that that's kind of what it lends itself to. Is right if Darren Till's able to kind of pick his shots on the outside and keep distance, he'll probably do that for five rounds. But Derek yeah. Brunson can smother Darren and drag him to the ground. He'll do it yeah. for five
1: rounds, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: So um, it still could be a great fight, but I yes. wouldn't bet money over it being better than Cannoneer Gastelum.
1: Yeah, that fight, man. I'm glad you even brought those up because we haven't talked about either mm-hmm. one in so long, and we're just a month away now. Man, less than up. that's exciting.
0: Coming up quick now. What is your first this or that?
1: Yeah, so I think mine start a little on the lighter side, quote unquote, as well. Um, so Mr. Max Holloway, as we know, was supposed to headline this past mm-hmm. Saturday against Yair Rodriguez. Unfortunately, had to drop out due to injury. So Noah, my first question on part four, of this or that, is. If you're Max Holloway, or not even if you're Max Holloway, you're a fan. You podcast about this stuff. Here we go. Yeah. Would you prefer the Max and Yair fight to stay together and be rebooked when Max is healthy or go a different route, Max Holloway, Korean zombie? <laughs>
0: That's a, that is a good Because that fight. is
1: a fight for years and years that the people have wanted and have not gotten.
0: Yeah, we haven't had that fight rebooked yet. No, no word on anything, really. Which kind of makes me think that they're not going to commit to it. It could be true. Um, Maybe
1: they were waiting for the title fight in September, depending on what happens, too. I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's kind of the direction I thought you were going to go there instead of Korean Zombie. I thought you were going to say that he just hold out for the title, but then you're risking that year-plus layoff and stuff. I'm going to go with Korean Zombie. Okay. Um, because of the you know the anticipation for that kind of bout. Yeah, uh, my my concern. <laughs> you know, I feel like in answering this, I, I feel almost disrespectful to Yair <laughs> Rodriguez because the assumption seems to be for the majority of us that Yair really doesn't have that much of a chance here, but. Yeah. It kind of undermines his skill set, considering what that guy's been able to accomplish, how talented he is. He's literally looked at as one of the brighter stars of the future for the UFC. Still, even despite some of his uh, missteps, if you want to call it that, yep. his bout with Korean Zombie, one that he was debatably losing, insane, ends with one second left <laughs> in the entire fight with a crazy upward, upward elbow. elbow, yeah, and it just puts him out. So who's to say he can't do that The Max? I mean, Korean Zombie has a great chin, and that happened to him. But as a fight, Korean Zombie and Max Holloway are both going to go in there and and want to – neither one wants to give an inch to the other. You're talking about two of the most durable
1: dudes in UFC history.
0: And bullheaded right there. These are two guys that understand – the challenge of fighting the other yeah. green zombie called out max Holloway. Yes. Uh, so you know, that's going to be something max Holloway is going to be looking to shut down just like he did with Calvin Cater. Right. Sure. It was all respectful for Cater kind of going in, but once they stepped in the cage, max was disrespectful as you can get to that man. Yes. And said, Don't ever compare me to this guy, you know, things like that. So I'm still going to go with that fight. I think it's a great matchup, just two very durable, Mm-hmm. probably the most durable guys at featherweight and um you know the winner of that would likely be next for the title
1: yeah i agree and i i have to go korean zombie as well as much as i loved the matchup between max and yaya when they announced it i mean mma twitter as they are called went nuts and rightfully so however i just feel like the hype is more so there behind max and korean zombie because of the years and years that they've fought their way through the ranks, but never intertwined their paths with one another. Plus you've got Korean zombie who just bounced back uh, after his loss to Ortega and looked great against Danny gay really utilized his well roundedness. What we haven't seen from him in so long was the great grappling. So I just feel like right now, really the two biggest names in that featherweight division are probably max and Korean zombie, if we're being honest, Mm. especially in terms of fan base, I'd have to go with that one as well. However, if they rebook Max Yair, obviously I'm all hands on deck for that as well. But, yeah, Korean Zombie Max Holloway, I'll just say this. It's got to happen before it's all said and done. That's all I know.
0: Yeah, for sure. Now my number two.
1: Uh, now I just start getting nervous. I'm <laughs> trembling. So You just can't see it.
0: One of my favorite, I guess, um, things that UFC media has kind of implemented, implemented in recent years is the thrill and the agony. Yes, um, yeah. you see these these big fights, and they kind of show you the behind the scenes of the fighters who win. You know, it's like these these high level achieving moments, the emotion, um, the the excitement, yes. all that. But you also see the agony for the fighter on the losing end, who the the despair, the also emotions, but on a mm-hmm. negative side. Um, the loneliness, the all of that—that that, they that did a great Ige. job
1: on the Dan Ige loss to Korean Zombie, by the way. Just to throw that out there. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. So, this is a concept I've been very pot that I've been a big fan of since I started seeing them kind of pop up here and there. Um, just really kind of humanizes these fighters. Yeah. However, on MMA Twitter, I saw something going around where um, people were posting their personal thrill and agony for the year of 2021. So for example, um, I saw a guy who put my 2021 Thrill and Agony and the one picture was of Brandon Moreno when he yeah. won the flyweight title and the other one was a picture of Tony Ferguson mm, of, okay. a, of a fighter who has kind of continued his downfall in 2021. So for this, this or that, I picked what I believe is your Thrill and Agony of 2021. Okay. Now, I'm going to make you either keep your thrill or remove your agony.
1: Oh, Um, So whichever
0: one you don't pick, if you don't pick to change your agony, it still happens. But if you pick to alter your agony, then the one that's your thrill does not happen. Does that make sense? It might make sense more when I actually tell you what the two options are. Okay. So this or that, Dom. Dustin Poirier winning (laughs) fights 2-3 and versus Conor McGregor. I I know where you're going right now. Or Stipe Miocic losing his title to Francis Ngannou.
1: You son of a bitch.
0: Now, the way I would see this, just to be clear, give context, if you went against Dustin Poirier on this one, I would imagine he would have gotten knocked out in fight 2 and it just would have been done. No trilogy, but Proceed. I love Stipe
1: too much. He's he's on the wall back there for a reason. We saw the do guy you, do you love in him person. Much? I love him too much that I'm getting rid of the agony. Or wait, is that right? Yep. The agony doesn't happen. Yes. So that means Dustin loses to Connor in January. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. I feel like Thanos, like with the reality stone, I'm changing <laughs> shit. But, uh, yeah, I, I can't. I love Dustin. But then there's Stipe, man. Our Ohio boy greatest heavyweight of all time. We got the pleasure of seeing the guy in person. I felt like the the Q arena in Cleveland was going to collapse when he won against Alistair Overeem. He's yeah. literally one of my all-time favorites, if not number one. I, I got to get rid of the loss to Francis. Get rid of that agony. Dustin, I love you. I got a shirt of you, too, in my closet, but I got to ride with my Ohio boy, Stipe.
0: I'm shocked that that's the route you went. I know how much you love Stipe, but I figured you would... Uh... <laughs> I figured you would outweigh the the positive of Francis Ngannou winning his his first title, maybe, and decide well it was worth it more for Dustin, who's such a good guy, to get those yeah. two wins. But obviously, you went with the selfish route. Yes, um, basically. And I'm going to agree with you because, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, truthfully, I, I didn't have I don't have a dog in the Dustin Connor um, de- debate or rivalry, so you know it doesn't really. Bother me one way or another. Who wins? Yeah, but for Stipe he's the one guy I've been very clear on this part He's like the one guy that I can't help but root for, like as if I am a, like a uh, you know like I do with any of my favorite sports teams. I try not to do that in MMA. I try to to remain as unbiased and and rational as possible when I watch these fights and just want to see good fights. And I, for the most part, achieved that. But Bay is the lone exception. The yeah. goat heavyweight, and it was a very tough pill to swallow to see him go down the way he did against Ngannou. We knew it had the potential to happen, yeah. We just didn't want to believe it. And then it yeah, happens yeah. tough, you got to so. think
1: too, in terms of like what could have happened should Stipe have beaten Ngannou. And we already had him in our top 10 list, but then that was before the second or at right when he just beat DC, I think. Uh, and then he goes on and could have beaten Francis. And then look where he is at in our GOAT list. So, uh, yeah, I, I got to stick with Stipe there, man.
0: Although I'm, I would have been I would been more angry if this interim heavyweight title fight would have been booked. <laughs> yes, uh, true. So that would have made me even more angry. But regardless, pretty clear yeah. where we stand there. Dominic, what's your number two? So this one I'm kind of relating
1: to our upcoming bouts this weekend. UFC Vegas 32 going down this Saturday, July 24th. Mm-hmm. Noah, who do you feel? Because we have a pretty important fight. The battle of the prospects is going down between Miranda Maverick and Macy Barber, a fight that we weren't huge on because it's two of the you know highly touted prospects in the division. You'd think a couple years down the line maybe they're fighting for a title, but no, we're putting them together right now, 23 years old, 24 years old. So, Noah, and we may talk about this more on Friday, so you don't have to get too in-depth, but as of right now, where we sit with that battle of prospects happening this Saturday, who do you feel has the higher ceiling, Miranda Maverick or Macy Barber?
0: Well, it's not really fair to Macy because uh, you're only as good as your last fight a lot of times, and recency bias is going to make me side with Miranda Maverick on this one. Um Macy's just had a couple tough losses in a row. Not that she can't come back from that. Not that she can't win Despite right. Random Maverick on paper. I do think it's a tough matchup for her, though. I agree. Um, Random Maverick is such a good grappler. Yeah, and has just really looked pretty strong in her in her early UFC career here. Um, Macy looked has looked incredible at times, but then um, you kind of see in her last couple bouts she's just stumbled a bit. The Montefiore one was probably the bigger stumble. Um, mm. I think her, her last bout was more so just, she kind of got bested for the majority of three rounds, but still was very competitive and in the fight. fight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, either way, neither here nor there. I do think both of these women, even if this would be three straight losses for Macy Barber, as long as she kind of keeps that mental toughness, I think there's no doubt she can bounce back and eventually also uh, fight for a title. But Miranda Maverick looks like with the win on Saturday. She yeah. might be shooting straight up to the top, uh, potentially top five after that. And, yeah. Uh, Scott, the, the, there is no real ceiling for, her, if I'm being honest. That's how good she is.
1: Yeah. And you know, I have to side again with you here and I, you know, I'm as big of a Macy Bar fan as anyone coming from the contender series, a really good character has that bravada about her is always in fun fights, exciting win or lose. She just brings the fight. To her opponents. And for Miranda, I simply am saying her today with the higher ceiling, simply due to her grappling, as Noah mentioned. She's a phenomenal grappler, and she has shown in her most recent fight that her stand up is beginning to improve as well. So when she can at least bring that closer to her grappling skill, that's a scary competitor, especially being only 24 years old. I feel like right now, Macy, yes, still probably is better on the feet coming this Saturday. Again, we'll talk about it more Friday. Stay tuned for that episode. But the grappling of Miranda Maverick is top tier, especially for this flyweight division and who you see stacking up in the ranks. So for now, on this or that part, before I go Miranda Maverick as well, buy a hair, buy a hair.
0: Okay. Number three for me. And this one's going to involve our next pay-per-view, UFC 265. We have two big title fights for that card. Now, Dominic, I'm going to, Set the groundwork here again, because we're back to um, another alternate reality, if you will. Yes. Um, so, before, right before this pay-per-view, the state of Ohio once again announces that they are legalizing sports betting, okay. which, which unfortunately for you means you have developed a strong gambling addiction that okay. is crippling you day by day.
1: You are painting a very poor picture here for me, but that's okay.
0: It has gotten so bad that you have decided that you must put every dollar you have left once again on one of these two situations to occur at UFC 265 with the hopes that you cash in big and can go buy a pizza shop or potentially to put every dollar into this podcast and we just get this thing to the moon. Yeah, okay. We, we're going to build a studio on the moon. <laughs> now, the two options that you are presented with that you have to bet every dollar you got on that's more likely to happen at UFC 265 is Juliana Pena to win via knockout okay, or Derek Lewis to win via submission.
1: <laughs> all right, all right. Well, um, realistically, my pockets would be fucked. Um, excuse me, that was a hard F-bomb there, but I didn't know it was putting me really in some tough spots <laughs> today. Julian by knockout. You know what? Derek Lewis ain't going to get the submission, man.
0: He's got <laughs> one. He's got he's one. got one.
1: No, I'm going. Hey, to- hey I don't know,
0: man. Sometimes Derek just – like listen. In the past, he's decided, I'm just going to get up. <laughs> Who's to say he doesn't decide, I'm just going to choke you out? Now. I'm just going to take his back. and <laughs>
1: <laughs> He has his black belt. We just don't know. You know no. what? I'm going to have some fun. I'm going Amanda Nunez and Juliana get into a firefight on the feet within the first 25, 30 seconds. And Man is just bull rushing her as she does, landing good shots. Juliana's rock. But then, on her back foot, kapow, she lands the shot out of nowhere Kos, the greatest female fighter of all time, and I'm taking that check to the bank. Um, wow, I can't believe you actually just made that a question. Here is that crazy to me <laughs> that I just see that being more possible than Derek Lewis submitting
0: Cyril God. I I don't know. Maybe I, I, maybe it is because I'm going to go the other way. Okay, okay, we finally <laughs> because, disagreed. Listen, listen, can I like let's be honest. Derek Lewis ain't winning this fight via submission. No. But it still is somehow more likely in my head than Juliana Pena getting a knockout win over Amanda (laughs) Nunes. I get it. People get caught. It happens. It's MMA. But Amanda Nunes is just too good, in my opinion. I just don't see it happening. I think Derek Lewis could decide when things get to the ground that he's just going to grapple. He's just like, you know what? I'm not going to stand up. I'm going to take your back. I would piss. <laughs> and he's going to choke out Surreal gun. Oh, imagine. Then Houston then this, would go nuts. Then this podcast is going to go to the moon because <laughs> we're going to have about a million dollars worth yeah. of funds to put into yeah.
1: it. Oh, I can't wait to see the betting odds come out. I'd love to know what Derek Lewis via submission is in that fight. I really do. Even I mean, Juliana via not. Yeah, I, I would <laughs>
0: assume. Would you think that Lewis via submission would be the the lesser chance of happening according to the odds, but then – Pena is going to be such an underdog already.
1: Yeah, true. That
0: wouldn't her be a knockout? Be probably of crazy. That's true. Underdog. Mm. I don't know. I, I, in my head when I was pitching this, I just figured they're even odds. You, you know. I'm
1: just picturing you last night putting these ideas together, and you're just chuckling and giggling the whole time. You're like, oh I yeah, really this is going to get him. This one's <laughs> going to get. Man, I, I love it, though. I love the creativity. No, this is going to be my most fun one, my, my number all right. three here. All right. I think I'm going to get a chuckle out of you and hopefully the audience here in a second. So okay. I saw someone tweet about this on MMA Twitter, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to grab this, and I'm going to post this on the Blue Average Joe's MMA podcast, baby. <laughs> so uh, as we all know, Space Jam, the remade version with LeBron James, has just <laughs> aired uh, or has just went... Live, what's...
0: It's on HBO. Premiered, plus, whatever uh, the words are for movie. HBO Max now.
1: Yes. So uh, And obviously the OG one with Michael Jordan back in the day from the 90s. So, Noah, if MMA... And we've talked about MMA movies within the last couple of weeks, so pretty topical here. If MMA made their own version of a Space Jam, who would you want the fighter or the star of the movie to be? to Tuivasa... Or Tony
0: Ferguson. (laughs) Wow, this is not the direction I thought you were going with the two options here. So our Michael Jordan, (laughs) our our LeBron James for MMA is either tied to Ibasa or Tony Ferguson. This is gonna be be... the most entertaining film of all time. Look, Tony, I love you, buddy, but it's got to be tied to (laughs) Ibasa. Do you want to see Bugs Bunny taking chewies or what? I want to see, I do. If Bugs Bunny does a chewie, damn it! Give uh, me. I'm throwing my money at the screen. Yes, take yes. my money. Hundred percent on
1: Rotten Tomatoes. Everything. Bugs
0: Bunny do a chewie. I need yes. it. Yeah. Um, Tony Ferguson, I feel like would just ankle pick Bugs. They'd be um, rolling
1: around the court. They'd have all kinds of crazy plays drawn. Well,
0: up. yeah, because you got to think like what the plot would probably be. It'd probably be like the the. The, the Looney Tunes would be putting, would be helping with the camp. They'd be like the team, yes. You know, so they'd be sparring partners and stuff like that. They all have
1: sunglasses on. They're all kicking pipes and stuff. So
0: yeah, yeah. So Tony, you know, the the problem with the movie would be anytime a Looney Tune tried to talk over Tony, <laughs> he'd be like, you, uh, he he would go like, "Hey brother, I'm talking." <laughs>
1: like,
0: Yes. What's he? Is that what? What do he say to Fabrizio? Oh yeah, he, to
1: Fabrizio, it
0: was something like that. Yeah, he just goes, like, "Hold on, brother, I'm talking." Brother, I'm talking. Yeah, <laughs> so that's what I think he would do. Then he would just ankle pick all the yes. Lenny Tins.
1: Yes, and then they just be in a pile on the mat. Uh,
0: so I just don't think it'd be as exciting as Tuivasa doing shoes, and then he knocks out Greg Hardy at the end of the movie.
1: I mean, I'm just witnessing all of the Looney Tunes characters getting smashed off shoeies, and I just love everything about it. I, I I had to pick two of the biggest just characters that came to my head in like in terms of the most fun and entertaining in the UFC. This is why these two guys came to mind. I'm going to Ivasa as well because, damn it, Looney Tunes and chewies that's a heck of a combination. Tai doesn't have to worry about doing a weight cut, so they can have some more fun in the movie during the training camp. Tony's gonna have to cut weight, and he's gonna get mad at all the Looney Tunes. Tai to Ibasa, Space Jam, semicolon MMA. Let's make it happen.
0: <laughs> that one, that one was fun. I like that one. <laughs> so my number four. Oh boy! Now we recently—I just mentioned it. Actually, um, we had an interim title fight that was announced for UFC 265. Controversially, I might add. Yes, true. Um, Very true. Between Derek Lewis and Surreal Gun. Um, you know, because you have a champion that's perfectly healthy that just won the title a couple months ago, um, being passed over and having an interim title put him into place for no real reason except to kind of boost those pay per view buys or whatever. Right. So, Dominic, tomorrow, tomorrow, Dana White goes on with Brett Okamoto or whoever, and he says, Well, we're having trouble getting our champions to commit to our last pay-per-view of the year. Okay. So we are going to have two interim title fights on that card. And no now was hypotheticals to, or something. And now, you, now you got to remember that it doesn't matter when the champion won the belt. It just matters that there are title fights put into place for this pay-per-view. Okay. So because of that, you get two... Interim title fights that are I guess you would call it disrespectful to the current champions. And my question for you here the this or that here is which one are you more gonna be accepting of?
1: Okay. If okay. these
0: two were announced for the same card. We start with the interim men's flyweight title. <laughs> As Brandon Moreno has been passed over for a Davison Figueroa the former champion welcoming okay. a new Cody Garbrandt to the division for the interim flyweight title. Okay. Or you have an interim lightweight title introduced since Charles Oliveira is unable to make it for the end of the year. And you get Dustin Poirier, who is okay. the rightful number one contender. This is true. But he's I know. going up against Nate Diaz. Oh, what?
1: Okay. Okay. Truthfully, I thought, first off, I thought you were going to say Islam Makhachev. So, but then you said Nate, and I, okay. I almost flipped out of my chair. Good thing this thing's a little heavy. Um, Can I pose have, one question? Wait, you would have
0: flipped if it was Islam Makhachev?
1: No, I almost flipped just now when you said Nate Diaz. <laughs>
0: Yeah, okay. I figured I didn't want to make it too easy on On you. a
1: two-fight losing streak,
0: may I add. Just. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't want to make it too easy on you because Cody Garbrandt's in a similar position.
1: Okay, well, right. okay. can I pose a question for the flyweight hypothetical? Sure. Did Cody win his debut against Kai Carr France? It's
0: not been announced yet, so it's not. Okay, it so that happen. didn't happen. No. Nope. No fights have taken place. This is just where they are in their current state. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Davison Figueredo
1: Cody Garbrandt. That would entice really? me more.
0: Really?
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, simply because Davison, former champion, his last loss was for the belt to a guy that he had a draw think with. you're
0: full of shit. No, no, no,
1: no. And Cody is a former champion as well, therefore holding more merit. Nate Diaz is on a two-fight losing streak, never been a champion. Dustin Fourier has been an interim champion but never an undisputed champion. I like the idea in terms of what I would be more accepting of. Yes, I love Dustin. Want him to fight for a title, obviously. But it's still just another interim fight for him at the end of the day. I want the damn guy fighting for the undisputed belt. So I'm going with the flyweight belt. It entices me more. I think it's honestly not – I mean, it is unrealistic, but not as far off as people may think in terms of realistic. uh, Like, should something happen to Brandon Moreno on a scout? Hopefully that doesn't happen across your fingers. But Figueredo – Cody is a fun fight. Both legitimate former undisputed champions. Cody making his debut at the weight class. I'm
0: going with that one.
1: I, I truthfully see no, I think, bull, no BS.
0: I think that this is probably the worst answer you've ever given on this on this show. <laughs> wow. And yes, I know I presented it as an option. And <laughs> this and is your yeah, fault. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that uh, I'm the one that asked, but. Um, I think this is the worst answer you've given, and here's why, Dominic. <laughs> okay. You're telling me you're going to have, out of the two options, now I get it, these aren't perfect options either way. You focus so much on Nate Diaz's recent losses that where you failed to catch yourself was you conveniently looked over the fact that neither participant in the interim flyweight title fight is coming into the octagon with a win. It's all right. They're it's both right. coming off losses. I'm sorry, but I can't. I can't in good faith allow a title fight to be, I guess, good with me if both guys walking in are coming off of losses. What what sense does that make? Uh-uh. I mean, not that any of these title fights make sense, but <laughs> that's the point. At least yeah. Dustin is the number, the rightful number one contender. Yes, even though Nate Diaz don't deserve it. It would uh, that fight for sure I would pick Poirier and Diaz over. A hundred times I would pick Poirier and Diaz over Davison and Cody. Right now, if Cody or Davison are able to kind of bounce back first, like Cody against Kaikara France, or if Davison goes and fights someone like um, Askar Askarov or whoever, um, I would totally be down to see that fight, because I think it would be a really fun matchup, a fight that we were originally supposed to get yeah. late last year. But both guys coming off losses can't put them for a title.
1: Hey, yeah. I respect your opinion. I do. I do. I hate no, your questions, see, though. I hate see, your questions.
0: See, I know it, deep down in your brain, deep down in that little journalist brain of yours, Dom. <laughs> I know you're. I know you're just like, ooh, I want to. I want to <laughs> poke holes in everything he just said. But no. you just don't. But you just. You just go. No, I'm. I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm, good. Good. I'm, good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So this is your number four right this
1: is my number four this is my number four we got two left for me one left for you yep now i get i went from space jam back into a little bit more serious stuff this is a this is an honest question um that i want to ask and so that's why i'm going to pose it here so who was more underrated not only just as a fighter but also in terms of being a ufc champion A former, or not former, an Ohio boy, Rich Ace Franklin, former middleweight champion way back in the day. There's going to be some people listening to this and saying, "Who? Yeah, Rich Ace Franklin, baby." Or Chris Weidman, Noah.
0: Okay, so your question was, who's more underrated in terms of?
1: Now you can look really just all-encompassing as a fighter but yeah. if you want even focus more on as a champion too because okay. I feel like Weidman's run was so good but seems to be forgotten and obviously Rich fought years and years ago but he mm-hmm. was at one point the, the the king of the castle one of the best fighters in the world until Mr. Anderson Silva came along
0: yeah it's um so that's where that's where this is really tough because the question is who's more underrated I feel like a lot – and I could be wrong. I know that Chris Weidman's had a lot of struggles yes. in recent years. But I feel like the majority of people recognize that he is just a guy that was really good at one point in time mm-hmm. who has sort of fallen off. Okay. you know, And, I, and maybe that makes him underrated now. But I, I think at one point in time he might have been somewhat overrated. Um, mm-hmm. His title reign okay. was strong. You know he looked good in his title yeah. ring, but I would argue that, and I'm only arguing this because I'm trying to. What I'm going to end up picking is Rich Franklin. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't normally argue this, but I mean, you know, he defended his title against a guy like Vitor Belfort, who had just gotten off of all of his. He wasn't allowed to keep the TRT, his, yeah. the TRT in him, so he didn't really face the best version of Vitor. Leonardo Machida. Um, while you know it's Leota Machida was probably a step past his prime. Um, Anderson Silva breaks his leg in brutal fashion in their yeah. rematch. Yeah. Um, the way he won the belt, very spectacular. You know, he won that. He won that entire fight. Right. And yes, I know Anderson got a little wild with the showboating, but uh, that's it was not, a legitimate win. Though. Yeah, you can't hold it against Weidman. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, he looked good in the Rockhold fight until he made the mistake of, uh, what was it that he threw? Spinning wheel kick. Yes, that's what it was. (laughs) Edson Barboza style. (laughs) Yeah, you know, that's just not his game. So that's where the fight kind of lost him. Um, So I feel like the majority of us fans recognize how good Weidman was at one point in time. It's just, I think, where you lose, Weidman still thinks he can beat Adesanya, I know he. this was before he had that brutal yeah. leg injury. But, you know, I, I, I think that MMA fans aren't necessarily thinking that with him. I think a lot of us think retirement might be on the horizon. Um, but I'm going to go with Rich Franklin because he was unfortunately overshadowed by the greatness of Anderson Silva. Yes. However, so his title run is not near as impressive as – um,
1: 100%. As he, he
0: won the belt over Evan Tanner, uh, which was an impressive win. I think it was a doctor stoppage against a really durable guy at Evan Tanner. A very underrated fighter from back in those days,
1: Yeah,
0: um, who unfortunately is no longer with us. I believe he defended the title one time? No, he he defended over Nate Corey and David Loazzo, I believe. He does his two title yeah. defenses.
1: And his knockout over Nate Corey was
0: spectacular. Crazy. And it's got one of the most, it might be the most lopsided decision in UFC history over David Loazzo. I believe a 50 42 yeah. is on the scorecards. So, Rich Franklin was
1: something, man. So, no, he
0: was spectacular at his time. Unfortunately, the Anderson Silva greatness and losses to him are yeah. kind of where he gets overshadowed. But, you know, he was able to carve out a nice career for himself afterwards. He started fighting in a lot of more, um, Feature bout type yeah. deals. You know, he fought guys like uh, Vanderlei Silva. Yeah. Had the fight um, with Chuck. Chuck Liddell. Yeah. He's the one that retired Chuck. Yeah. Um, i trying to remember who else he kind of fought in that time frame. Did he fight Dan Henderson maybe? Um, guys like he, that. He a have in the latter half. Um, so, you know, he was fight. He was bouncing back between light heavyweight, middleweight. Yeah. He was yeah. fighting at 195 catch weights. Yeah. Um,
1: So So it's a guy people forget about. He had a
0: great career, and therefore he is underrated because nobody really talks about him anymore in terms of middleweight all time. Yeah. Um, But I think he definitely deserves more respect than he's given. Um, It's just unfortunate that really his title reign maybe wasn't – it doesn't compare to Weidman's, but I think in terms of who's more underrated, I definitely think Rich Franklin fits the bill. Uh, based on nobody really knows much about rich anymore.
1: Yeah, and what is he now? Like the vice president of one championship yeah, or something? He's, he's like, a
0: very he's very high up over yeah. one so uh, I,
1: Rich Ace Franklin again, the Ohio guy literally like right down the road. His Noah's dad has like had a beer with him or saw yeah, him at the gym or something.
0: My dad was a bartender and uh, yeah Rich Franklin came in to that bar and my dad's like oh he's a good fighter I guess. Like, <laughs> yeah uh,
1: yeah it's crazy and my um, uncles worked out with him at the gym yeah down the road from us so it's like the hometown guy from such a small town but then went on was literally like the best in the world at one point and is just seemed to be forgotten but really had a great career a decent title run passed the torch to anderson silva i go uh with rich ace franklin as well and I,
0: w- I would argue some of his impact is bigger than we realize and that this was a very well-educated guy a good-looking guy you know he was a form, He was a teacher when teacher he why starting. he
1: fought. Yeah, so, yeah,
0: and um, you know I think that showed to a lot of the casual audience people who didn't know much about MMA life oh, outside of are... the ring. Yes, um, what I'm saying is is like uh, I kind of lost it, but um, just that these cage fighters don't necessarily have to have look or fit into a certain. Um, stereotype. You could have this clean-cut, good-looking, well-educated guy who was really good at what he did in terms of fighting. Just really opened up the door for a lot of that star power that you would see in later generations of fighters.
1: Good point, Noah. Good point. Yeah.
0: So now we're going to get into my last one here. and This one's really going to throw you for a loop, I think.
1: I mean, I've I'm already spinning, so...
0: <laughs> So, (laughs) you walk out of your local gas station one day. I just love
1: the stories that he starts them with.
0: A van pulls up, and you see a man that is somewhat unkept step out. Okay. And he says, kid, you got to come with me. The future is at stake. So, you, being a good Samaritan and not listening to your mother... We told you time and time again to not trust strangers. You hop into this van and you ride off. And now this is Back to the Future style. You know this is this is where I'm going with here. And once you're in the van, the man tells you that he is from the future. Once again, another from the future here. Um, this is wild. (laughs) He tells you he is from the future and that you can have the power to go back in time and change one massive moment in UFC (laughs) history, thereby changing the course of UFC history forever for a certain fighter, for divisions. Um, However, what you don't realize is this is the butterfly effect, baby. Okay. So therefore, everything that you change for a positive has an adverse negative effect potentially you know it's the the butterfly effect is essentially if you accidentally go back in time and kill a butterfly, all of a sudden um, the world ends in 2020 like it's just yeah one thing leads to one thing leads to one thing, leads to one thing. that's that's what it essentially means. So I'm gonna present you with two potential fights that you could alter. Okay. however, in doing so, it would negatively alter something that has also already happened. So you would have to be able to face the, the consequences, consequences of your action, but in order to get have a really good result take place on one hand. Okay. So, so let's get into the, I'm, I'm this. I'm grabbing my armrest very tightly right now. <laughs> so the first one here is Chuck Liddell. Okay. Now Chuck Liddell, we know the struggles he had at the end of his career. I believe it was three straight knockout losses, four or five, something like that. Um, So you go back to a Chuck Liddell who has just beat Vanderlei Silva prior to his three-fight losing streak, all via knockout, that would send him into a retirement that he was not wanting to go into. And you were able to show him on your phone – Techniques of modern-day uh, striking defensive styles of fighting. Okay, In doing so, Chuck Liddell is able to smarten up his game for a late career resurgence mm-hmm. that sees him win three straight bouts and retire with a second title win over champion at the time Shogun, who therefore riding off into the sunset for the Iceman. However, in doing so, that means that Cody Garbrandt will never have the title win and performance of a lifetime against Dominic Cruz at UFC 207.
1: I'm just trying to tie all the strings together.
0: (laughs) The other situation. Yeah. You can go back and you can go to the fight that saw your favorite fighter of all time go down. For the first time in his UFC career, you can alter the result of Anderson Silva versus Chris Weidman one, Ooh. so that Anderson Silva is able to come out on top with a second round knockout. I added that in here for. Some oh reason. wow, this
1: is in depth stuff.
0: But, <laughs> but. in doing so, Stepe will ultimately lose a unanimous decision in his second bout with Daniel Cormier. Thereby, allowing Daniel Cormier to to uh, fulfill his promise as potentially the best heavyweight of all time. So, just to be clear, you can basically help Anderson Silva but hurt Stipe or help Chuck Liddell but hurt Cody Garbrandt. And as you can tell, I kind of stacked one with your favorites and one with you know guys you care about, but. Hmm. Okay.
1: Okay. All right. I wish you could. See, I wish I could see the inside of my mind right now and what's bouncing around like a pinball machine. But the one that's in my heart and telling me to speak it, I help the Iceman Chuck Fidel, modernize his striking defense, go on the three fight win streak, become a two time champion, retire off into the sunset, potentially find himself on a goat list, Noah. If you are talking four more wins true, there, true. but Cody does not have that amazing performance against Dominic Cruz. And I say this option because when that happened for Cody, he was still so, so young into the game and you've seen the fall from grace from Cody since then anyways. So maybe just maybe Cody goes out and loses to Dominic Cruz and regroups a little bit earlier and changes things a little bit sooner, Noah. And maybe mm-hmm. now, He's the champion of the world. So I'm going to help the Iceman Chuck Liddell hurt Cody. I'm sorry, Cody. We've met the guy. Great guy. As much as I love Anderson, as much as I love Stipe, I just felt like Anderson's prime run didn't have much longer anyway, should he have beaten Weidman. Whereas Stipe, that trilogy was just so legendary. We've spoken so highly of it on this show and how it's one of the most important, if not the most important trilogy we've ever seen. And that was just so special and to never get that chance to see it and for, you know, Stipe to get that title of the greatest of all time. So I'm going to help Chuck Liddell. I'm going to hurt Cody in the short run with that title win over Dominic Cruz. These hypotheticals are driving me nuts, Noah, but I love the creativity I'm curious to see what you think. Are you even going to answer? I mean, I know you base this around some of my favorite guys, but I'm just curious.
0: I mean, I would definitely stick with Liddell Garbrand just because I don't. I mean, I do agree with your sentiment about the Anderson Silva situation. You know, ultimately, you're helping him get one more win. But who's to say after that he doesn't run into a guy like Vitor Belfort or um, someone or Luke Rockhold or whoever who, you know, likely. Does similar things to him that Weidman did. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I go with that one. I, I definitely stacked that because I know Stipe Anderson your favorites. Yeah, um, but I also know that you love Chuck and Cody as well. So yes, I, I was curious to see where your heart would go there. My um, mind sides with Chuck, and ultimately, unfortunately, the Cody Garbrandt loss. I it gives me no pleasure, Mr. Garland grant.
1: <laughs> yeah, your questions here. I mean, I was damned if I do, damned if I don't, every yeah. one of them I felt like. Um, all right, Noah. So I'm gonna finish off this episode with nowhere near a hypothetical <laughs> that Noah just had. I feel really uncreative in this episode <laughs> compared to. No, Noah. you keep
0: you keep the show grounded. I, I okay. take us in these very yes. weird directions, but you keep things back on track with the fight yes. talk. Yes. And that's what that's what a lot of people are here for.
1: Um, so the last question of this or that part four before we get out of here on this fine Wednesday. The bigger feel-good, quote-unquote, title win, in your opinion, Charles Oliveira or Michael Bisping? Wow. Hmm. Sit on it. Let it simmer. Let it simmer. <sighs> Because I know how much I saw. Well, I, I got the the pleasure of watching both of these with you. Yes. Now, granted, when Bisping did it, it was your first ever live card, so it was a lot different. But then watching you and the Oliveira one, it really pulled at
0: you. Yeah, the the Oliveira one definitely get, hit the heartstrings. Yeah, the Bisping one has turned into that over the years as you've learned more and yes. more. Yeah. Um, at the time, it you know I was just like whoa. I didn't even know it was like a big (laughs) upset. I was just like, "Oh, nice a knockout!" and everybody's going crazy, and I'm just, you know, I loved it, but I, I, I I had no idea, yeah, the the circumstances surrounding it. And over time, it's honestly kind of, it's became a badge of honor for me to like that's my first live card I ever watched was such a huge moment. But in terms of, oh my gosh. The more what was the question the more impactful was uh, that,
1: the what? more the bigger feel good feel title good. win. Okay, yeah. okay.
0: I think I'm gonna have to go two with Mike. Of the greatest. I'm gonna Mike. have to go with Mike Bisping. Yeah. Um, the biggest reason for that is gonna come to, down to age and um, where they were in their careers and things yeah. like that. You know, Charles Oliveira was obviously in the moment such a Feel good moment, in my opinion. I Mm -hmm. reacted as such, even though I love, I love my man Michael Chandler. I would have been happy if he would have won, but there was something about when Charles kind of overcame that that ended the first round, yeah. And he and he put away Chandler early in the second. I just I couldn't help it. I jumped to my feet and went crazy. crazy. However, Michael Bisping, being that he was, I think thirty seven when he won the title, yeah, up there, and he was the guy that had never won it. I know Charles the same way, but Michael had been fighting in the UFC for which much like Charles, I've been fighting in the UFC mm-hmm. for such a long time, but this was a guy that just never was able to win the big one. Yeah. He never had even fought for a title, which again, these are all same as Charles. So I'll, I'll try to get to the point here. It's just at that point, it was, you're given your first title fight as Michael Bisping late notice yeah. two weeks, I think. and, you're going up against Luke Rockhold who looks like the, the future of that division.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you're able to knock him out in the first round and really solidify your legacy in doing so. And it was kind of the cherry on top, if you will, but it was ultimately, it was a huge cherry. It was, yeah. the cherry was bigger than the rest of the Sunday <laughs> yes. because it was the title win that had escaped him his whole career. I think for Charles Oliveira, due to his, um, his, um, uh, I guess youth compared to Bisping when they when he won the title, I would look at if, if only Oliveira lost, I wouldn't count him out from potentially getting back there. You know, I would say, okay, well, he could probably still win another fight and then be back in a in title position for whoever. Right, but for Bisping that was now or never. Yes, and really, it looked like it was never, and then he just comes out of nowhere and shocks the world. So. Yeah, definitely going to go with Mikey Mikey B there.
1: Uh, you know, I love so much about both of these, that they're so similar, but yet so opposite. Because you look at Charles, for example, the back and forth at featherweight and lightweight, missing weight three or four times, win two, lose two, win one, lose, you know, all that, the back and forth. And then, out of nowhere, rattles off eight in a row, seven via finish. He beats guys like Tony Ferguson and such, earns the title fight, but it came after the Habib era had you know, ended and he was going in for a vacant title and it was against the newcomer in uh, Michael Chandler. But then you look at Bisping, who, yes, also very back-and-forth, run-of-the-mill career, couple small you know, two, three, four-fight win streaks, but then he would lose one or two and he wouldn't win that big one. And even still, going into that title fight, he was coming off the biggest win of his career against Anderson Silva, but it wasn't like he was on some eight-fight win streak like Mm -hmm. Charles Oliveira, but the timing just happened. It was like the snap of a finger. Oh, he was on set of a movie. Two weeks later, he's in California fighting for Undisputed Gold against, at that time, one of the best fighters in the world. Knocked him out cold. So two, again, similar paths, but so different. Michael Bisping as well. Mm -hmm. It, It felt... Not that it's – not that Olivares was not official, but he didn't go in and take that belt off of Habib, but he did earn the belt at the same yeah. time. Whereas yeah. Bisping, fought and clawed, but he went in and beat that champion in Luke Rockhold, the dominant Luke Rockhold with – I think at the time only had one loss. I'll go Bisping as well, but I'm talking just, yeah. just barely. And I didn't even decide until I painted that all out there with the details.
0: So. Yeah, that was – uh I I will definitely say I I didn't realize how similar the title wins were until I was really talking about it in my head. You know, yeah. right there I was like, well, that Charles did that too. He did that. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, this is kind of similar. Uh, so good good pick there to to wrap us up here, Dom.
1: Heck yeah!
0: Uh, give us your thoughts at home for all these different scenarios yeah. we threw at you. You know, I I threw a lot of wild ones, but if you yeah. want to go with Dom's, then go with Dom's. Um, yeah. Just leave us a voice message. You can do so by going to my bio on Twitter or Instagram, at into Baker underscore. There's a link to the link tree. And, um, yeah, in there there's a link to leave a voice message, along with a, a bevy of other links. Um, <laughs> That's a cool word. <laughs> I know I kind of kind of plugged my socials first, but, Dom, All right. go, ahead, go ahead and tell the good people where they can find you on social media.
1: Yeah, you can find me as well on Twitter, on Instagram, at DSlee14. I got the link there, too. Pick one and choose. I don't care. As long as you go visit the link, that's all that matters to me. Uh, Or you can find our podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, engage with us, interact with us, at B-A-J underscore MMA podcast.
0: But that's it. We're out, and we're going to see you all on Friday.